Hello friends, welcome to the Hillside Church Podcast. My name is Brad and I serve Hillside Church as the lead pastor. We're so glad to be able to share God's word with you in this way. God has so much in store for you and for your life. And one of the ways God works in our lives is through the study of his word, like the message you're about to hear. Our prayer for you is that as you share in this message, if it's me preaching or if it's someone else, is that God's word would minister to your heart and life in a most powerful way. Thanks again for being part of our church family. God bless you. But to start off 2024, uh, we've been taking a look at the Holy Spirit. And the specific focus that we've had as we've looked at the Holy Spirit is a focus on what it means that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. That we're not just wanting to understand more about this Holy Spirit, but we want to understand more about what it means that, that we've been given the Holy Spirit. And, and we've spent some time looking at this, this moment in Acts chapter 2 that, that Jesus promised, and then we saw fulfilled, where the Holy Spirit came on the followers of Jesus at Pentecost, this moment where, where the Spirit of God indwelled, filled them, whatever, whatever phrase, baptized them, that's the word that Jesus used, came upon the disciples at Pentecost. And using this moment as a framework to help us understand the work or what the work of the Holy Spirit is. And... Now, for the next three weeks, we're going to move sort of into like maybe what you'd call like a chapter two of this. The chapter one was sort of the historical context of, of what, is it, what, is, what is the historical context of the Holy Spirit and the church. And now we're, we're sort of moving into chapter two where, where we're going to start to transition to under, understanding for, for us, what does it mean for the Holy Spirit to work in us? That, that, that's great that this happened all that long time ago, but what does it mean for us? And so for the next couple weeks, we're going to look at what does it mean for us? How do we understand ourselves and our lives? And how do we understand our part to play in this? Because you and I, we do have a part to play in this. That, that we, we, the Holy Spirit doesn't impact us whether we want him to or not. That God doesn't send him to us whether we want him to or not. That the Holy Spirit doesn't move through us whether we want him to or not. But we, we have a part to play in this. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how do we do that well? How do we do our part well so that we can be good stewards of this gift that's been given to us? is we talked about how the Holy Spirit is a gift, and we're going to see that phrase a few times this morning. And so we want to we do well to receive our gift. We don't want to wreck our gift. We don't want to receive our gift and treat it poorly. We don't, we don't want to be given a gift and then not use it. We want to receive it well. And so for the next, this week and the following two weeks, we're going we're gonna to talk about how we can do that. And then the last couple weeks, we're going to talk about how that works in our lives. How does it, what, so what is it, so now that we're, we're doing this, well, what is that going to look like? And so we'll talk about that for the last few weeks. And so this morning, we're going to begin this process of understanding the Holy Spirit 
in us. And, and to do that, we're actually going to start a few pages before what happens in Acts chapter 2. And we're going to primarily spend time in three passages this morning. Not one, but if you, if you are just itching to follow along in your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, and Acts chapter 19 this morning. But we're going to start out in John chapter 20. Actually, the passage in John chapter 20 is key to our understanding of everything we're going to talk about this morning. Because in John chapter 20, there's this moment that happens. And in John chapter 20, you need to know, is not just before Acts chapter 2 in your Bibles. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. So it's not just that it takes place. Because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, don't, those four books don't happen in chronological order. Is, is Matthew is one story, Mark is, tells the same story, but the, the story starts again at the beginning of each book. But Acts takes place after all of those books. And so in John chapter 20, this takes place before anything in the book of Acts. So Acts chapter 1 is where Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, we see the Holy Spirit come. John chapter 20, none of that has happened yet. But in John chapter 20, we have this moment where, where Jesus has died and been resurrected and he appears to his disciples and he speaks to his disciples. And in John chapter 20, starting at verse 21, it says this. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then we see in verse 22. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, there's two ways to understand this. First, we just found a massive contradictions in our Bible, and the whole thing is just falling apart. It's probably not that. Probably not that. So, second, we need to understand what's, what's taking place here. Because this happened before Acts 2. So why would Jesus... Why would Jesus have this moment, and then from here, go to his disciples and say, or for this moment where he would say, receive the Holy Spirit. And then from there, tell his disciples, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit. Didn't you already give us the Holy Like, What was that about then? Were, were you kidding? Were, was it not real? What was that about then? And then what takes place in Acts chapter 2? If they've already received the Holy Spirit, what on earth is Acts chapter 2 about? Well, this is what we're going to dive into this morning. This is the, this is the tension that we're going to walk through. This is the template that we're going to endeavor to understand about our relationship with the Holy Spirit and what it looks like. So, we see in this moment... Jesus breathes on the Holy Spirit, or breathes on them, and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And remember, this is before Acts 2 or Acts 1. So there's this moment where the followers of Jesus, because of their relationship with Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit through Jesus. And that same thing is true for you and I. The Bible will say that when we receive Jesus, we're given the Holy Spirit as like a seal or a promise. 
It's sort of like the thing that lets you know that this is real. You are given the Holy Spirit in your life as a seal. When you met Jesus, because of your relationship with Jesus, just like the disciples, you are given the Holy Spirit through Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us this, where it will say, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation... When you believed, you were marked with him, or marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. When we believe, when we accept Jesus into our lives, we, we receive the Holy Spirit. It, it's not a process, it, it happened in that moment. It happens. And and Part of the reason why that happens is because it's like a seal. Like if you're watching those old, older or movies, I guess they're not old movies, but they're movies that take place a long time ago. And, and they'll write a letter in the name of the king or the name of the queen, or, and they'll put the wax on it, and they'll put the little stamp into there to seal it, to say that this, this is set aside, this is important, this is the possession of the king. That seal meant that it was, it was like it was the king's. And if you were to mess with it, you were messing with the king's stuff. And so that's given to us as a marker to let us know that who we are and whose we are. That we are now a son and daughter of the king. And so we are given the Holy Spirit to, to allow us to know that and to understand that and to have that become part of our reality. But for the disciples, they received, through Jesus, they received the Holy Spirit. But then there was this second thing that had to happen. This moment that Jesus said, you've received the Holy Spirit, but soon you're going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. You're, the Holy Spirit is not just going to come and dwell in you, but the Holy Spirit is going to come and work through you. That, that it's going to touch you, it's going to change you, it's going to change every part of you. There's this second moment that's coming. And we see that in Acts chapter 2. That Jesus gives them the Holy Spirit, but then says, wait for the Holy Spirit. And the same is true for you and for me. But to help us understand this, to, to help us understand what this looks like, we're going to look at three stories from the book of Acts where we can see this same process work itself out. This same process play itself out three different times in three different ways with three different groups of people. And we're going to understand more about what it means to receive the Holy Spirit. The fulfillment of the promise that's made. The fulfillment in our lives of the Holy Spirit. And so if we look at Acts chapter 8, that's where we're going to start this morning. Our first story takes place in Acts chapter 8. And in Acts chapter 8, what we see is the, the, the gospel message has made its way to Samaria. Remember, if you remember when we, we talked about Jesus promising the Holy Spirit, he said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to Samaria. And so what we see here is that the gospel has made its way all the way to Samaria in Acts chapter 8. So we're going to start at verse 14, and it will say this. 
when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God. So word gets back to the church in Jerusalem. Hey, they're preaching the gospel to the Samaritans and they're accepting Jesus. It's incredible. They sent Peter and John to Samaria. So the, so the church in Jerusalem says, we need to send some people up there. So they send Peter and John, two pretty qualified fellows, to, to head up to the, They would have been in the room in Acts chapter 2. They, they were there. So they send them up to Samaria to go see what's taking place as, as people are accepting Jesus. And so we read in verse 15, when they arrived... They prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17, then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, we'll, we'll take the Bible at face value and, and believe what it says. And so when it says that they were already believers before Peter and John get there, we will accept that. And not, oh, it was false conversion. It, they, they weren't really believers until Peter and John. No, the Bible tells us they were believers. And so we say they were believers. But when Peter and John get there, they say to them, it's, a, it's great that you've accepted Jesus. Have you had the Holy Spirit, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Have you been immersed in the Holy Spirit? Have you had the power of the Holy Spirit come into your life? And they say, no, that hasn't happened yet. And so Peter and John pray for them. And then there's this moment, like in Acts chapter 2, they receive the Holy Spirit. There's this second Moment. They, we, we believe that just like Ephesians told us, that when they accepted Jesus, they received the Holy Spirit. But there was this second thing that had to take place. They needed this other moment where the Holy Spirit would come on them in a different way. A couple more pages later, in Acts chapter 10, the gospel continues to spread. And this time, or we see that it's been to the Jews in, in Jerusalem. We talked about that last week as Peter preached his sermon. Then we see them it's spreading all the way to the Samaritans. And now it's even starting to go to the Gentiles. Now, if you're not familiar what a Gentile is, it's probably you. Um, a Gentile is anybody who's, who's not Jewish. So that was the Jewish word for people who weren't Jewish. And so maybe in your family history, maybe you are Jewish, or maybe you're part Jewish. But for those of us who, who aren't, um, we're Gentiles. And so we see that this is the beginning of the gospel going to the Gentiles. And specifically, it's a man named Cornelius and, and his house, his, his, his family. They accept Jesus. And after Cornelius has accepted Jesus, he has a vision. And the vision tells him, you need to send for a guy named Peter. He'll come and help you work all this stuff out. So Cornelius sends for Peter. So in our first story, we saw Peter and John. Now we see just Peter. And Peter's coming to a Gentile's house. But Peter shows up and he begins to unpack for this family 
here's, here's what it means that you've accepted Jesus. And he, he begins to give them like a, a new believer's course and begins to talk to them. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And, and all of these things. And in verse 44, we'll read this in Acts chapter 10. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter. Now that's just a really weird way of saying like the Jewish people who came with Peter. It, the phrase they chose. But the, so, the Jewish people who came with Peter had come, they were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit, remember I said we're going to come back to that phrase again and again, the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. And then verse 46 says, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Peter is leading this, this new believers course. And as he's speaking to them, all of these people who, who've already accepted Jesus, and so they've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, but as he's speaking to them, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit begins to be poured out on all these other believers. And, and like we talked about in Acts chapter 2, there's this moment where, where spirit-empowered ministry begins to take place. And it says that they begin praising God and they begin speaking in tongues, speaking in these other tongues. They, they had received Jesus they had received the Holy Spirit, but there's this moment when the Holy Spirit shows up and is poured out on them, where they're baptized. That's the phrase Jesus used. That's why we're going to keep going back to that, where they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, there's just one other place that I want to take a look at in the book of Acts that will help us to understand all of this. Because progressively, we've been, we've been seeing the gospel spread a little bit further away and a little bit further away from, from that moment in Acts chapter 2. So, so we had Peter and John going to Samaria. And that, that's spreading it a little further away from that Acts chapter 2 moment. And then we had just Peter going to a Gentile's house. That's, it's spreading even further from that moment, just like Jesus promised it would. But now this next story we're going to look at, it's in Acts chapter 19, and there's nobody in this story that was in the room in Acts chapter 2. There's nobody in this story that was a part of that initial Holy Spirit moment, that initial baptism of the Holy Spirit. Nobody in this story was there for that. Instead, the people who are in this story are the product of the people who were in that room. And so it gives us this idea that this was something that was meant to keep going. That it wasn't just for those people in that room, and once they were done, then it stopped. But we see here that it continues going. That those people prayed for people who received the Holy Spirit, and then those people are going to pray for people who are going to receive the Holy Spirit. So we turn to Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 1. So we'll say, when Apollos was in Corinth, Corinth was the city that the book of Col or not Colossians, Corinthians was written to. So, so Apollos, who's talked about in the book of Corinthians, is in Cor Paul was there, 
And so Apollos comes. And then it says, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. This is the book, or this is the city that the book of Ephesians is written to. Ephesus is for Ephe- or the city where Ephesians was written to. And it says, there he found some disciples. Now, what you need to know about that is it's not talking about the 12 followers of Jesus. It's not talking about like, Matthew and Mark and John and Andrew and Peter. It's not talking about those kinds of disciples. When it talks about disciples, it's just talking about like followers of Jesus. That you and I could rightly refer to ourselves as disciples. It would be, we don't do that because it sounds, because it sounds kind of funny because we do know, like we, when we talk about the disciples, we, we have a specific group of people we're talking about. So we don't often say, I'm a disciple. Um, but you and I could rightly be referred to as that. And so Paul goes to this town, the city called Ephesus, and there he finds some followers of Jesus. And let's see what happens. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They obviously received the Holy Spirit as a seal on their lives. We're promised that. But even the question infers that there was something else that could have happened. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? Now listen to this. In case you're wondering about who God uses and how God uses people. Because sometimes we feel inadequate and sometimes we feel like we just don't know enough for God to use. Here's their answer to the question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no. We've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So they've accepted Jesus, but they've accepted Jesus without much information. What is this Holy Spirit you're speaking of? We haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. So Paul shows up, he meets these followers of Jesus, and we're told they're followers of Jesus. So we, we, we accept that, we believe that, and we don't try and find a way to wiggle our way around that. They were followers of Jesus, but they say, we don't even know who or what this Holy Spirit thing is you're talking about. So then we continue reading. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism is a baptism of repentance. And so they've been water baptized and they've repented of their sin. But Paul says, he says, he told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in Jesus. So he's talking about John. He says, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That, that they, they go and they get baptized in the name of Jesus. As followers of Jesus. And then verse 6. When Paul placed his hands on him, on them, The Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. These people had this, they had received Jesus. And by extension, they had received the Holy Spirit as a seal on their life that they would know who they are and whose they are. But then there's this other thing that happens where Paul, who was not in the room in Acts chapter 2, prays for them. And it says that the Holy Spirit came on them. The Holy Spirit filled them. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they began to, to speak in these different languages and they began to prophesy. 
they had the Holy Spirit. That's a promise of salvation. But then there's this second moment, this second thing where the, where the Holy Spirit invades their lives. And suddenly, things are different for them, spiritually. The way that they interact with God is different. And the way that God interacts with them, it's different. The parallels between these stories and the stories of Jesus and his followers in Acts chapter 2 are so clear. They're so evident. In John 20, we see the disciples, because of their relationship with Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit on their lives. A seal of who they are and whose they are. But Jesus says, but there's more still to come. And so wait around in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit, whom you've received, till you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. As a four-square church, we hold to this pattern for, for the lives of all believers. That we come to a saving relationship with Jesus, and in that moment, we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. But then there's this other moment where the power of the Holy Spirit comes onto us and onto our lives, and suddenly everything is different. That when we receive Jesus, we have our John 20 moment. But we still have the promise in Acts 1, and we still have the fulfillment of Acts chapter 2. Now, this can create a lot of questions for people. Because if, if you've been baptized, we're clearly and, and comfortably able to point to a moment of water baptism in our lives. That, that it's, not, it's not sort of this ambiguous, well, I think I was baptized. I, I, I don't really know. I, Brad pushed me under water one time. I think, I think. It was a baptism, but we were also at the pool, so maybe we were just goofing. Like, when, when, when you're baptized, there's a moment that you recognize that those around you, this was the moment when baptisms took place. But sometimes the, the moment that the Holy, of a Holy Spirit baptism can look a lot less defined than that. You don't need a bathing suit. We don't need to bring the hot tub down. You don't even need another person. It can be just you and God. And there's no phrase to say, there's no script. Every time when we baptize someone, I will say, we'll use Julie as an example because you're sitting in the front. And that's what happens when, that's why nobody sits here because they're worried I'm going to talk about them in the service. But I say, Julie, according to your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his command to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Every time we baptize someone, that's exactly what we will say, except not always Julie. We'll change the name depending on who it was. Like if it, no, I don't need to explain it. Um, but... We don't have that kind of phrasing for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Where these are the magic words. 
Now, we say that because Jesus told us to say that when he said, you should go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we say that. But what we see here is Paul prayed for them. Peter was preaching to them. Peter and John prayed for them. But there's no phrase, there's no, there's no sort of, when you want to receive the Holy Spirit, this is what you should say. So maybe you never said, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I now want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've never said that. But maybe you've asked God, God, I, I want more of you in my life. God, I, I want more of the Holy Spirit in my life. Maybe you've prayed, God, I want the gifts of the Spirit in my life. There are lots of ways to pray for God to pour out his Spirit on us. And when we're baptized in water, we know right away exactly what it means that it, this happened. It means that you were dry and now you're wet. There, there is a moment where you go from not baptized to baptized. And when you come out of the water, you don't go, oh, I hope that was it. You know that was it because I'm soaking wet. Sometimes when we pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as, as we saw in our reading, sometimes something happens. We, we see in those verses that, that sometimes people began to speak in tongues. And so maybe that happened to you. Sometimes we read that people began to prophesy. Now, now really what prophesy means when it talks about it is not like in three days there's going to be a red car driving down the street. That's not necessarily what it is. It's like this is, what God said, this is what God is saying to you right now. This is what God wants us to know right now. And so they began to speak the things of God. And it also says that, that maybe some of them they simply just began to praise God. They just began, a spirit of worship welled up within them, and they began to praise God. But there isn't always something like, I was dry, and now I'm wet, so now I know. There's not a one-fits-all kind of answer to the question of what happens when you pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, you'll know because there isn't a clear answer to that question. It's not like a flood where all of a sudden all the gifts of the Spirit come on you in that moment and you're speaking in tongues and you're interpreting in tongues and you're praying for people to be healed and you got words of wisdom and you got words of knowledge and you're doing miracles all within the first 30 seconds. That it's not somehow everything all comes on you and in a, in this, in a millisecond you're just boom. It's more intuitive than that. It's more internal than that. Suddenly, everything is just different. Spiritually. And so we're working to lay a framework here to help us understand what it means for us to have the Holy Spirit in us. And in a couple weeks, we're going to have a moment in our time together where we're going to invite you, if you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, 
and you would like to, we as a church are going to have that moment together. But if you don't want to wait, I would be glad to pray with you today. Or you can pray on your own. Just you and God. And set aside some time to pray in your living room, in your bedroom, in your study. Some place where just you and God can be alone for a minute. And you can just pray, God, I want more of you. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. And then just wait and spend some time receiving the Holy Spirit and all that he has for you. Now, before we close and we're, we're just about done, there's just one other thing that I, I want to address as we talk about all of this. Because as our church is growing and, and we've got people that have had all kinds of different stories that have led them to this place. And all kinds of different experiences with the Holy Spirit. And for some, as we're talking about this, perhaps for some, as we're talking about this idea of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, maybe that's making your stomach feel a little funny. That you've been a part of things like this before. And it wasn't good. Maybe somebody prayed for you to receive the Holy Spirit. And, and the person said, you have to speak in tongues, and you have to speak in tongues now, or I'm going to keep praying for you again and again and again and again until you do. And if you can't, I guess you don't have the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've been a part of places where the Holy Spirit and the way that he works it's gotten weird and it's gotten uncomfortable and it's gotten to a place where you're like, I can't do that anymore and now you've started coming here and I don't want to do this again. I want to let you know that, that the working of the Holy Spirit in your life, we read about it a couple times this morning. It's a gift. It's a gift from God. And... We talked earlier about every good and perfect gift comes from our Father in heaven. And the Holy Spirit working in your life, it's a good and it's a perfect gift. And it's not a gift that comes with shame because you're not doing it the way someone told you you have to do it. And it's not a gift that comes with uncomfortable judgment. And it's not a gift that comes with out-of-control weirdness. Jesus told us it's to our benefit that we have the Holy Spirit in us. And the Holy Spirit working in us is what allows us to stand out and to be different. And sometimes in some situations and in some places, it might look a little weird. We talked about this in Acts chapter 2 the disciples began to speak in all these different languages. And it says the people around them were perplexed. That's a nice word to say. They didn't understand what was going on because it was weird. But I want you to know that 
as we walk through understanding the baptism of the Holy Spirit and as we might even pray for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit if that's what you want. And I pray that it is. That we don't, we don't want to only want part of what God has for us. To say, God, I'm good with what I got. I don't want the rest of it. But I want you to know that we're going to be a safe space a safe place for you, that, that we're gonna, we are going to operate and have the Holy Spirit work in us and through us as we already are having. And we're going to be a safe place for us to, to walk and to receive the Holy Spirit. And so if you've got, if as we talk about, and the phrase baptism of the Holy Spirit makes you go, I want to let you know, be glad to sit and chat with you about it, talk to you about what it is and what it isn't, talk to you about what it looks like and what it doesn't look like, talk to you about what, what our expectations are and aren't, and walk through what this is and what this isn't. This morning, we've looked at this pattern that we've seen from Jesus to his disciples, from the disciples to their followers, and from their followers to their followers. And we believe that that pattern continues today where we need to take a moment and have a moment where we invite the Holy Spirit to come and work in us and work through us, where we open ourselves and make ourselves available to what God has for us. Because there's a power that's meant for you. It's what Jesus talked about in Acts chapter 1. That wait for the Holy Spirit, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. There's a power that God has for you. Power from on high, just like for the followers of Jesus and all through the book of Acts. But it's not crazy and out of control. It's the power of God to do the things that God has called you to do. Power to change everything. Power to make everything different. Spiritually. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that we have the opportunity to invite more of you into our lives. That we have the opportunity to receive more of you into our lives. And God, I... I Recognize, and we pray, God, for, for those for whom maybe this whole thing is just a little bit much because of how they got here. God, we recognize that, that as your followers, we haven't always been the best. Sometimes we've been terrible about stewarding your gifts well. But God, I pray that you would help us, help our, our lives and our hearts to be good ground to receive from you. That, that we want to receive what you have for us. God, we don't want parts of what you have, God. We want all of what you have. And so God, I pray that you would help us to be able to, to recognize that, that for each one of us, God, we need more of you in our lives. And God, I pray that you would help us to be able to see and recognize and understand that your Holy Spirit is at work in us and at work through us and that we need you 
to empower us. God, we can't do this on our own. We can't live the lives we're called to on our own. We can't stand out the way we're called to on our own. We can't fulfill the great commission on our own. We can't live each day for you the way we should on our own. God, we need you. We need your Holy Spirit. And so, God, we pray that as as we open ourselves up to you, God, we pray that we would receive the gift, the gift of the presence, the power, and the person of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. God, we thank you that you don't leave us orphans, that you don't leave us on our own, but that through through the Holy Spirit, God, we have the very presence and person of God living inside of us. God, we thank you that we are spirit-filled, spirit-enabled, and spirit-powered people. God, we love you. We thank you for your gift. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'm tired of forcing moments, conjuring up emotions, put your name on it. Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family. And that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca. Or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on contact us from the main menu. Or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on our pastors from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go. Put on display your best and brightest. Ironically, the stage is where we hide. That's why we need you. Lord, we need you. God, we can't do what only you do. Holy Spirit,